In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. She does such a nice job, doesn't she, introducing the show like that? That's, uh, that's Mel. Mel is originally from Australia, I believe, uh, I, but I think uh, I think she's been living in L.A., or, or at least last, last I heard, Mel was in L.A., but she does, of course... Uh, Fantastic job with the introduction for both this show and uh, and my other one, Oil & Gas Tech. This one, of course, is Oil & Gas Digital Doers, as you, you just heard her say a few seconds ago. You also heard her say this thing, uh, digital landscape. I forget what the word, what it, how it goes exactly, but something about navigating the digital landscape. And, you know, um, I mean, we came up with that because, you know, you try to write clever things for the little introductions to these to these shows, and uh, anyway, that's what we came up with. But I started thinking about how, you know, we're starting to put digital, this word digital, in front of everything. Uh, well, maybe not everything. We, we don't have digital french fries yet, but there are so many things, like uh, we were shopping um, we were shopping for a blender the other day, and of course, you know, if you're, if you're shopping for a blender, you got to look at the Vitamix. I mean, this is not a Vitamix commercial. I don't, I don't get any uh, commission, but I mean, you, you can't not look at the Vitamix if you're looking for a blender. Um, I didn't know there were so many of them. I mean, I just thought you, you Vitamix is a Vitamix, but no, there are there there's different lines and there's different models and things. Um, but in some cases, you're looking at the you know the the difference between this one, this blender, this model, and that one is that this one is digital. Now, I you know um, I mean the purpose of a blender. The, the, the primary function, really the only function of a blender, is uh, that, that propeller thing in the bottom has got to like whiz around and it's going gonna, it's gonna to do whatever it's going to do to your, your smoothie or, or uh, you know, or your mojito or whatever it is that, you're, that you got going. But um, uh, so I don't, you know, digital, I, I guess it's because it's what we used to call, used to be we would have just said, well, that one's electronic. Um, you know, they're both, uh, they're both electric, they both use electricity, but this one's electronic because instead of turning the knob, you know, you push the buttons, but now it's digital. Um, and, and we, and, you know, you see this everywhere. Um, the other, the other thing that's happening is, um, uh, people are starting to create digital versions of things, of, of like simple things that, um, that like, and I, I'm not sure they're getting better. For example, um. I saw a picture of somebody who had created a digital Etch-a-Sketch. And you should have seen the contraption, right? It was like a guy had a glove on with all these wires coming off of it, plugged into a circuit board. And, and I just thought, you know, an Etch-a-Sketch has two knobs. And uh, you can, you know, and it's the same. Like the output was the same. <laughs> so so why not just, why the digital? How did, like, and I think it, it's... Uh, it kind of reinforces this point, which, by the way, um, you know, once upon a time when we said digital, w what we meant was that it, it had the display had numbers on it instead of like some sort of a meter or something like a digital clock. I had to explain this to my kids as they were growing up. A digital clock wasn't digital because of like the electronics. It was digital because it had digits on the display. That's why we called it digital. Uh, same thing with a digital speedometer and things like that. Um, so anyway, digital means something different now. Um, but I uh, like the such a sketch and like a lot of other things, I think, that we're seeing, um, just making something digital uh, doesn't automatically make it better. Um, and, and just because you put digital in front of 
your name or a thing or the name of something doesn't automatically make it cooler or smarter. However, this is the Digital Doers podcast, which is cooler and smarter. And um, because uh, lest you think that this is just a haven for, uh, for the latest collection of buzzwords, we do actually tell stories here about, we have, well, you know, I, I don't tell the stories. We have people that come in and tell stories about getting digital done in the real world in oil and gas and the value that people are seeing from it. And I, I guess I should be thankful that we don't always have to start every episode by explaining what do we mean, what do we mean by digital. Um, I think we've gotten past that. But, uh, but you can hear great stories here and you can hear, you can get good insights just like you can with every um, every one of the, the podcasts that come from the Oil and Gas Global Network, uh, which is what is which is how you're hearing this. You're hearing this right now. I know you're hearing it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but none of it would be possible without the Oil and Gas Global Network, and none of that would be possible without our sponsors. A- and the sponsor for this show, as as you've heard me say before, um, but 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 I love to say it again: Hewlett Packard Enterprise HPE. They sponsor this and every episode. Ep, poof, every episode they sponsor of the Oil and Gas Digital Doers podcast. So, if you're not, if you don't know about HPE or you, or you think Hewlett Packard, that must be those guys that sell the computers at Best Buy. That is not what we were talking about. Hewlett Packard Enterprise, different company, and they. Um, and they're doing fantastic things for in the oil and gas industry. In particular, if you are in oil and gas, uh, which you probably are because you're listening to this, and if you have anything to do with uh, with edge computing, which almost everybody does these days, then you need to look at HPE GreenLake because uh, I'm, you know, I can't really, I can't pitch it the way that they can pitch it, and I'm really not supposed to. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, they just did a new TV commercial. That's right, you heard me, TV commercial. And it's very clever, um, and it's kind of fun, but it also makes the point uh, about what exactly HPE Green Lake does. So look for that. Uh, I don't know. Just keep just keep changing the channels until you find the HPE commercial, or just look up somebody on LinkedIn uh, that works for HPE, and I'm sure they've got it in their feed, and you can see that commercial. All right, enough of that today. I got a couple of my favorite people, one of which I've known for a very long time, and the other which uh, has been on on this show once, and I think on the tech show once, and uh, it's always a great conversation. Um, they are uh, they're over at this little company called Avanad, and uh, if you know anything about Avanad, you know why it was funny that I said a little company because they're they're not a little company; they're big, but but they have a great their Houston team is 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 very local and they're very plugged into the oil and gas scene. So I love I love hearing from these guys and just hearing what they're up to and uh, and what's uh, what they're what they're coming up with over there. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the OGGN Spotlight, Kyle Keelan and Thor Schuler. All right, and that gets us to our guests today. Uh, as promised, uh, following that snappy musical interlude, uh, I am sitting here at the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston, where the birds are always singing and the sun is always shining and the people are always happy. And I'm here with two two happy people. You guys are both smiling, so you must be happy. Um, uh, I guess third visit back, uh, Thor Schuler from Avanade. This is number now. I think the other two. I think you were on the Tech Show, right? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, you know, it was you were on one of them. I think you've you're been on on, on both yeah. shows. Yeah. So so anyway, 
Uh, so Thor's back to uh, tantalize us with whatever the latest thing is that he's very excited about. And, um, and, and also, my old, old pal, Kyle Keelan, we were just talking about how it's been, like, your, your daughter's in third grade now, right? And, yeah, she's in and, third grade. And, and uh, we worked together when she was born. Uh, born. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Before right. she existed. So let's do a little bit for those who are not. Uh, um, and by the way, we have high expectations from you guys today because Kyle does a podcast at Avanade, so... So you should yes. not suck on this. And but I usually ask the questions. I'm not yeah, used to, you're on the other, other side. You're on the other side. And 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 Thor has always uh, always got plenty to say. So let's do a little bit about uh, first about like who you guys are, and maybe some people don't know who Avanade is. So, Thor. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, I'm going to leave the Avanade introduction to Kyle. My name is Thor Schuler. I'm a, an innovation lead at our firm, and um, most recently, I'm I'm working on all things carbon, and that is actually going to be the subject of today's. All things podcast carbon. here, all things common. We're going to be talking about how you are going to get an actual handle on the carbon commitments that you made as an organization. We're going to talk about some of the strategies that we're seeing our clients pursuing and that, that we're recommending. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, has anybody ever considered the fact that we are also carbon? Like, how does that factor into the whole <laughs> strategy? Oh my yeah. goodness! Like, if you're going to say all things carbon, that also includes humans, that, which is a treacherous does, yes. path to go down. I think so. So, uh, so maybe we, we're just going to stick to the inorganic stuff. But um, and Kyle, yeah, so, so I, what, and what are you doing? Like, I have, I don't yeah, even know. Uh, yeah, so I, I run our energy and chemicals business in the South region for Avanade. So I look after you know the clients in that space and you know lead a team to. You'll really help match what Avanade does with what our clients need and hopefully deliver some really nice business results for them. Spoken like a seasoned consultant. Did that, that sound very consultant like? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. We, and, yeah, I grew up in the same world, so yeah. I, I haven't appreciated um, Yeah, and then for those that don't know, Avanade is a consulting firm that really leverages technology to make a, a human impact. And like I said, hopefully along the way, it, it turns into some, some good business results for both sides. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and just for the sake of uh, scope, I have an odd. It's not a small consulting firm, right? Like, no, no. Pretty large. Uh, yeah. Three three billion in annual revenue. Uh, Thirty thousand consultants yeah. across the globe. So small yeah. correction. It's fifty now. It's, oh yeah. So it keep, the number keeps going up as we're yeah, expanding yeah. pretty rapidly. Um, yeah. So you guys, you've got. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons why I like talking to you is because you have uh, a lot of. Um, especially for the Digital Doers show, one of the things that I want to always make sure we do on Digital Doers is talk about people who are digitally doing, yeah. right? And and sometimes uh, a lot of if you don't if you don't have enough scope and enough exposure to enough companies in different places, you know, you don't have. I mean, you guys yep. have a good perspective. So yeah, we, we all have to say like, we're not we're not here to make powerpoints. We're here to actually get it done. Yeah, right? yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's a, that's a technical term for it. It is a technical term. Yeah, GST. Um, uh, okay. So we're going to talk about all things carbon. Let, before we get into, and, and you guys have come up with some cool stuff. Uh, I'm going to give it away. You came up with this idea called the carbon twin, um, which is fascinating. But before we get into that, like what's, the, like what's the scene out there? Like we read a lot and there's a lot of scurrying about in terms of we got to measure this and we got to report on that and we got people looking and trying to do all these things. Like what, what's, what's the scene look like today? Well, sustainability is a hot topic for all industries. 
Sure. Right? And it's, it's driven by some, some media, trends you can't the deny. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's driven by some facts you can't deny. I mean, yeah. you know, the, 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 the trends are clear, the data is clear, we are in a warming cycle. Now, you can argue all day long whether this is man-made or not, we've got to do something about it. Sure. Right? So, um, you know, a lot of our clients in the space, in the, in the resources space, have made commitments uh, to that respect. Starting with very tangible things like, you know, no more routine flaring, things like that. A, lot, a number of companies have committed to that. To a, a more holistically, yeah, we're going to be try to be uh, carbon net neutral by such and such date. Right. Uh, usually it's like 15, uh, 20 years out. But 15, 20 years is not a long time if you think about moving an industry as big yeah. as energy. And so then the question, of course, becomes, well, how are we going to go about it? Right. How do we how do we actually get to the point where we are uh, energy producers that are carbon net neutral? It's a it's a, it's a challenging it, task, right? No it, doubt about it. It, it does seem like it's it's different this time around. Like in my career, we've seen you know the recycling campaigns. We've seen you know green green energy, the the environmental stuff. I think for for this time, it seems there's a, a reputational capital at stake. Um, sure. investment yeah, yeah. communities now getting involved and you know before we've even now seen you know real regulatory uh, compliance come down on this um, that you know companies are deciding to to really do something about it and yeah. they're actually really out there we're working with them and they're you know, you see in the right. news, they're trying to actually do stuff now. To, right. To, like, it's to, not a head fake. It's not a head fake. It's right. not like, uh, what they call it greenwashing. It's not, yeah. it's not greenwashing well, it, it, within the industry. Some of, there's there's some, some of this going on, best. but to make that, to drive that point home, Engine One, uh, taking two seats on Exxon's board right. Right, is, is a big example of that. Uh, Dutch court ruling that Shell is not doing enough. This is a court with, yeah. with, with jurisdictional yeah. authority right. ruling that Shell is not doing enough. Yeah. Uh, on, on the emissions reduction front. So there is real pressure on that. This is not a feel-good story. Uh, you know, we have to figure this out. We have to act on it because if we don't, others will tell us what to do. And that is never a good situation. Right? Is, we always want yeah. to control our yeah. destiny ourselves. And so we're trying to get ahead of that uh, of that situation where, where others are telling us what to do. Right, so, um, so I want to back up to a couple things. One is, um, uh, this, this, so this whole thing, about uh, greenwashing or people who are, aren't, companies who maybe, people are skeptical that companies aren't really serious about what they're no. saying. So I have a theory that some of that, in some places, that, um, you know, and these dates like 15 years and 20 years, they seem kind of arbitrary, right? Like based on what, like my, like like the former consultant in, my, in me says, okay, you can't pick five years because it's too close and people are still watching what you're doing. So you got to pick a date that's far enough out that, 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 that you can change things between now and then, but it's close enough in that it seems like you're serious, right? Well. But <laughs> I, I think a lot of this is, isn't, it's not that people aren't, don't have the right intentions, it's that, they, they're not exactly sure what to it's do. It's a big problem. But there's pressure to do something. Yeah. So we have to do something, but we don't know what it is. So let's at least mm -hmm. make it look like we're trying to do something. Well, well I think there's a bit more to it than that. There's, you know, this, this, the, these dates are actually informed by asset life cycle uh, durations, right? If you think about it, if you have a facility in production right now, it's a you know, multi-million dollar facility, retrofitting that with the latest uh, technologies to, to reduce emissions might be very, very costly. But that, that facility might have been already around for 15 years. It might sure. have a yeah, yeah. sure. life cycle of 15 years. So some of this goes into that, right? How, how, do, we, how do we look at uh, asset replacement strategies? New assets coming online will operate cleaner. That will help us. How does that factor into the time frame? So it's not just arbitrary. I mean, there is, there is some thinking that's going into some of these time frames. For sure, yeah. yeah. And I think... Um, 
um, it, it, it's just the people are skeptical, yeah. right? People are. Well, look at too. Like if you're running a company and you wanted to create a big change in your company, you would come out with kind of a big, hairy, audacious goal that's right? a little further yeah. out. Right? And then underneath that, you're going to then break I that down. And have, things, right? I think we're in that stage where pe the companies are breaking that down now. They, yeah, they've yeah. Yep. made those big statements they're in the press, it, right. and they're now trying to figure out, okay, now how, how are we going to achieve that? And there's another thing, too, is I would say, and we talked about this yesterday, right? Uh, and, and I think Kyle said to me, we were talking about a different podcast that we're doing, and said to me, look, we can make a real difference here. And when I'm 90 years old, I think uh, you said, right? I want to look at my grandkids, and you know, my, when my grandkids ask me, well, why didn't you do anything about this whole I'm going to say I thing. did. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, uh, why were you successful? Well, I, I still yeah. tried. Yeah, the, the, the dinosaur grandparents, by the way, were having the same conversation <laughs> prior to, well, to the, uh, um, and, argue, and arguing about whose fault is it, right? But uh, no, so, but seriously, what, let's, so in that whole, like you're describing this whole, like this is all the stuff we got to do and people are getting serious and they're trying to figure it out. Da, da, da. So in there, there's a lot of attention being focused on, um, on measurements. Right. Yep. What what are we what are we trying to measure? What, trying to measure? what should we be yeah. trying to measure? What's the what's I mean, the, I'll say, the scene there? And I'll let Tor jump in because this is definitely his area of expertise. But I think it was like six months ago, and Tor and I were somewhere, and he said, "You you know, you really can't measure this." Well, like, well, that's what, the what, thing. What do you right? mean it's, you can't measure this? Like that's what we're doing. He that's goes, like what no, kind no, of pulls the what, rug out from the whole yeah, thing. If you can't like, measure, that's not what then. the project is. And so, we, well, let's, let's take a step back then and let's talk about what, what is it that we're trying to actually measure, yeah. right? And that's uh, so when we, when we look at greenhouse gases, there are, there are there are a number of different types of greenhouse gases. Carbon dioxide being the most commonly known one, and the one that essentially is the baseline, and that we're basically uh, transforming everything into in terms of equivalency, tons of equivalent, right? But uh, really, from an, from an energy perspective, um, the, the gas that we're more interested in, at least initially, is methane. And the reason why methane is so important uh, in this equation is uh, the, um, the potency with respect to impacting global warming of methane, depending on what model you're using. Um, I'd like to use the, the methane life cycle model 10 years. Yeah. It's 85 times. But it's only 18% like of volume. 12%, yes. 12% of volume, but you know, ton, ton for ton. Methane is 85 times as potent over its lifespan sure, yeah. than carbon is, right. right? And so, you know, if we focus on methane, even though by volume it's small, we can make a real impact and because the methane life cycle in the atmosphere is only 10 years. Yeah. yeah. We can make, uh, not just make an impact in terms of reducing stuff out of the air. Right now, we have the additional uh, advantage that the, the short methane life cycle as, as compared to carbon dioxide is going to actually work with us. And so we're having two, uh, two parallel. So that's really interesting. Like, e like, either I'm not reading the right news articles, or I've never heard anybody actually describe it in those terms per se. But that, that's a that's a very compelling case. Yeah. Right? yeah. It goes back to those press releases of 15 years out, we're going to make yeah, an yeah. impact. The the life cycle of methane is 10 years, so you 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 can do some things you can now do something in that, that will actually time. show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus okay. carbon dioxide is 50 years, right? So then, if you if you look at uh, methane and you know, there are certainly there are ways to measure methane. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's impossible to measure. What I'm saying is, it is impossible to measure the footprint of a facility at scale continuously. So that that is really my point, right? Uh, so, the, all right. So let's say that again. So it's impossible to measure the footprint of a facility at scale continuously. Correct. And I don't think we need to. I Are we trying to do that? Are people trying yes, to do people that? Yes, people are trying to do that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to explain to you why that is. Right? If you look at if you look at the the ways that we have to measure methane concentrations in the air, really four big approaches. And one of the largest one satellite, right? Satellites, you know, obviously we all know that you can 
uh, look at compos uh, atmospheric composition with satellites. We're doing it with stars that are galaxies away, so we can certainly do it with the Earth. Right? For sure. No, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah. And we have satellites in the air. There are companies out there like GHGSAT, which uh, have spectrometers as payloads. They look down at the Earth. It's a, it's a passive technology, so you're using sunlight. Uh, hidden the earth, the reflection, as it reflects back up, depending on what gases in the air, certain uh, energies are being absorbed by those right. gases, yeah, and you yeah. can see this in the spectrum curve. Sure. So that's how that works. Uh, so the problem uh, with, with that approach uh, is, is not so much that you can't uh, really measure it exactly, it's actually very exact. The problem is more that uh, one of coverage, both spatial and temporal, because there are not that many of those satellites up there. There are a ton of satellites who do visual, Right, right. There are not that many satellites up there at this point in time right. uh, that do spectrography. Now, this is changing because, you know, obviously we, we do realize that we need better measurements up there. So uh, companies are investing into creating better spatial coverage and temporal coverage. And the temporal coverage issue is this. If you think about a satellite flies, right, these satellites tend to be low orbit. Uh, so they kind of fly over an area. They kind of circle the Earth fairly yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, they fly yeah. over an area. Uh, and you get essentially a point in time measure of concentration of certain atmospheric gases over a certain column of air at that point in time. Right. So, uh, and depending on how fast you can get that, that might give you trend information, but it's not going to let you really make a good decision uh, in terms of, you know, if I change these operating parameters, what is it going to do for me? In okay. terms of reducing it's definitely light. a rear view mirror. It's a rear view mirror kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, and, all right, so, so I just want to, to not lose the, like, the thread. Um, we started out with the statement of, of you can't measure, right. you can't do continuous measurement of a facility um, at scale. Yeah. Right? That's right. So, so that was, well, that's, so that was just one technology, right? Well, satellite's two, one. Well, satellite's one. There are a couple of others, right? Okay. So uh, the, the one that's been emerging as the kind of the gold standard for the last couple of years uh, is LIDAR where mm -hmm. you shoot laser right. uh, into, uh, it's a line of sight technology. So you have a camera, you, camera, yeah, you yeah. shoot laser, uh, that laser uh, gets reflected, and uh, depending on uh, the, the atmospheric composition of the, you know, of the worm that you're looking at, uh, you, know, you, you agitate certain molecules in the air, that's the way the laser is tuned, so they are tuned for certain gases. Yeah. And so you get that result back. Right, so right. You, can make, you, can, you can have very, very uh, accurate uh, concentration and flow estimates uh, using laser uh, and ladder technology. And so those things generally tend to get mounted on fixed-wing aircraft. Yeah. So you're flying down a fly, uh, flight path. But again, the problem that you have is the forward field of view. Right, right, right. right. So you have a fairly limited uh, yeah. view on this one. And then number two is, uh, again, it's a, it's a very discrete way to look at things. Now, because you, you, you're flying that thing once every couple of weeks or couple of months. Yeah. Now, we do have seen people, uh, you know, use these and do them surface mounted and, and walk around with them. You can definitely do that. But again, you know, how much... But all of this, everything you're describing, around. it just becomes more and more complex and costly and difficult at, at a certain scale. So yes, this goes back that, to your point. That's the this scale goes point, back right? to your point. Yes. It's, just, it's not that it's, 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 it's possible to take these measurements, but, in, but, but what's required... I mean, if what's required is we got to start launching more stuff into space, then that's probably not the most... Like efficient way yeah. to, to scale it yeah. out. Or fly right? more aircraft, or fly more drones. Right. Yes. Yeah, all of that. So, so yeah, drones actually are the next one, you're one level down. Yeah. Drones yeah. are. Uh, by the way, let's not forget that all those things are, have to be powered by something, so we're just sort of compounding the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we use solar for that. Yeah. Solar, yeah. Right. solar powered drone. Yeah, Whatever, we have, to come, we have to produce power, right? Yes. So, yeah. no, no, no doubt about it, right? So, so solar. Uh, solar. So. Drones are the next step down, and, and, and drones use uh, use LiDAR as well as a technology, but the, the difference with drones as, as opposed to fixed-wing aircraft is 
that uh, you can fly more often. You can actually, uh, you know, it's not ex as expensive to acquire. So you can you can basically make them scale a little bit better. You lose some of the aerial coverage because drones. You, the problem that you always have with drones is endurance, right? Right. Um, how long how long can they last in terms of before they need to be recharged? So if you have a fixed asset, uh, you know, aside, drones might be a fantastic solution for you to go up and take a snapshot two three times a day. You know, right, right. Not, not a problem at all. And then the, the last method that we have is uh, is chemical, chemical ground-based sensors. And those are they're cheap. I mean, they're really, really cheap. Uh, they give you a concentration. The, the problem with that is, if you think they're about it, it's a chemical finicky, sensor. Right? Hmm? They're very finicky. Not so much finicky, but the, the, yeah. the, the reaction volume is very small. Yeah. If you think about the sensor area, you know, it's maybe a square inch. Yeah, right? yeah, sure. And so you get a good reading of the concentration right around that sensor, but then you go a couple of feet out and all right. So, 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 what I'm hearing is um, this whole measurement thing. We're actually in, in trying to do this type of measurement. We've created a problem that's bigger and more complex than the original problem we were trying to solve in the first place. Right. Right. Yep. Sort of. Right. Yep. Like. 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 So. So. So I'm sold on that. But. <laughs> so. But, right uh, on that. So. So. What do you got? What do we got? What are we doing instead? If you can't measure, right? The so carbon twin. The carbon twin. Right. Carbon twin. Yes. So which makes all, which makes me think of twin carbies, which is something that we used to do uh, a long time ago on cars that had real like real equipment on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what we do, and since you mentioned cars, yeah, cars yeah. actually is a good example for how carbon twin works. When we talk about carbon twin, is we're talking about taking uh, what we do with digital twins to optimize uh, process operations mm -hmm. and applying that to carbon estimation and carbon loading. And so the way this works is think about. Think about the facility that you might operate. Uh, you already have a ton of operational telemetry coming in. Yeah. You know, you got you got temperatures, you got pressures, you right. got flow yeah, rates, yeah. all of right. this, and all of these things are easy. Unlike GHG emissions, those yeah. things are easy to measure. Right. You're doing that all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. You have them. Right. Right. And so the question then is, can we use those parameters as a proxy for our carbon footprint at any point in time? And so when we, once we started looking at that, we said, well, let's try this out, right? Let's take a piece of equipment, like a car, mm -hmm. or a pump, or a compressor. Let's take it in the controlled environment. In the controlled environment, measurement becomes easy. In a controlled environment, I have an enclosed space, I can, I can, measure, uh, I can measure concentrations of gases, you know, really easy. I know exactly where to look, I know exactly where to sure. measure, so that's easy. So I have a controlled environment, I can operate that equipment in a controlled environment, at various oh, right. set points. To, to test whether your proxy is accurate to That's the, right. To well, the, right. Not just so much to test whether it's accurate, but to develop it in the first place. Yeah, sure. So yeah, you yeah. say, okay, fine, I'm, I, I'm looking at this operating profile, you know, these are my, my various set points for, for, for different things, and this is my output for these set points. And so you do that, you get a sparse data set, you interpolate that data set, uh, and using machine learning, we can now create a model that I can input my operating parameters, and I get a fairly good representation of my carbon output for that piece of equipment. Now, I do that for a lot of these equipments, I put it all together to represent my facility, and now I have a model that I can use to, and I'll have literally hundreds and hundreds of inputs, right? Mm -hmm, right. Uh, and it'll, it'll give me, uh, essentially, my carbon score for that asset. Yeah. Right? And so now what I can do, now that I know, I can say this, okay, fine, tomorrow afternoon, I know I've, I've scheduled a satellite run over this asset. So I can look at my operating parameters, I can forecast that, you know, I expect my concentration of you, gas yeah, in this volume to, to be right. high. Yeah. I fly over, I, I use measurement to validate my model right. and to improve my model. Right, so you're only so you're using those measurement techniques as the reality check to yeah. on your model, as opposed to trying to use them 
comprehensively across right. the building. So yes, and I, don't, I don't know how uh, deep your listeners are in like machine learning and AI modeling, but yeah, I mean, like if you took away a little bit of that complexity and just talked about you know pictures of people's faces and trying to then take those photos and you're training that model saying, yeah. you know, is this yeah. a apple or a banana? And you run it through over and over again. It's, it, it's really the same process yeah, here, sure. except now instead of one parameter, we're going through hundreds and then again, just retesting over and over again. Yeah. That's the, the accurate. So there's another, are. there's a kind of another important component here that, which is, cause the first thing I thought of when you said, so we're going to do this instead was I thought, okay, well, that's all well and fine, but does it please the people who are looking over the shoulders of the, but this, this approach, I mean, th this is a sound principle in statistics, well, right? Yes. When yep. you have something that's very complex to, well, to, to measure uh, or to see a trend in, you use something else that you've, that you've verified right. that it, the curves match. Yeah, right, they, really they do this is. in the industry already. Like right. we'll do, you know, uh, models of wells, right? When we're trying to forecast uh, you right. know, how much production is going to come out of them and what the decline curve of that production is going to be. So that statistical modeling right. is, is not this, new. Yeah, to the, yeah. The it's like not hokey. This is a, yeah. this is a, so it should, it should please the, you know, the, the powers that are trying to, because yes. ultimately all this has to get reported right. and somebody has to say, okay, we believe you and we think that you're doing so, the right thing. And even more important, well, even more important than the reporting aspect of it though is eventually- Has to work. You can start, to, yeah, it has to work, but you could also then now start testing decisions to say, if I make these changes uh, to that facility, yeah, 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 if I do yeah, these work yeah, orders, yeah. what is that actually gonna do to the carbon? And so you know, even then taking that and baking it into you know, um, other systems to say, okay, if, if, if I want to shut down these wells cause they're flaring, what, what, what does that do to my carbon output? And, and then say, well, okay, yeah, it, it's, it's actually Mo modeling it in the twin and modeling it actually see. with other, other factors like and the financial and production output. So you kind of sparked like three things in me. I'm mean, going to go on three things. Okay. For, ah. So first of all, on the regulatory side, right? I have a great example. Okay. If you look at transmission, yeah. right? Pipelines. Mm -hmm. So right now, you're being assessed in terms of a carbon load by the EPA yeah. on those transmission systems uh, you know, by, a, a, by a methodology called factors. And the way that factors are done is uh, some people at some point in time you know, looked at various different materials and, and basically uh, the statistic modeling came up with, you know, if you have this much pipe of this much material, this size, this thickness, this old, you can expect this much leakage of like yeah. methane, for yeah, example. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's a, it's a factors approach that really doesn't take into consideration whether you're really leaking or not. So that factors being assessed to you, yeah. right? Uh, and yeah. you're being charged on that whether or not you actually are a violator. Right. And so, so this I is a bad you, I was just the analogy of, so imagine if your electricity bill wasn't based on what you used, but the square footage of your house. So yeah, yeah, 3,000 yeah. square That's foot, right. you get a $100, yeah. $150 bill, yeah. 4,000, you get We're not far away what, from that, I think. What, yeah. what, uh, yeah, what incentive do you actually have? None. I, every light would be on, right, the AC right. would be on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the same thing That's with right. these factors. for. The, That's know. right. And so what we're trying to do is move towards a model where actually good actors are being rewarded and right. bad, bad actors have to, you know, 
pay yeah, them more. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, that's so, yeah. So that was the one thing. The, the, the other thing then that, that you were talking about. I have a great example of what what Kyle was describing in terms of these. Uh, you know, check out these. Uh, you know, how we could use it to model decisions. We had a we had one client that we looked at and uh, we, we built a carbon model for that facility and. Um, uh, one of the components in that model was a fired heater. And that fired heater used the feedstock, right? And so that client changed the feedstock. And what happened is that feedstock that they changed to was a bit more dirty. And so what happened is the heater got gunked up. And as the heater got gunked up, the, um, the, the thermal resistance of the heater changes. It's something that you can very easily measure. Uh, and as the thermal resistance changes, what happens is you have to run the heater, um, you know, at, at more power to get the right. same outlet right. temperature that you need for your downstream processes, and that of course translates immediately into into additional um, into additional uh, emissions. Yeah. So now you can look at that and you can say, okay, what are my choices here? Right, I can change back to the other fuel stock. There's a certain cost associated with that, and I can do that. I can maybe get a different heater that is better able to deal. Uh, mm -hmm. with that, right, with that right, more foul right. fuel stock, so I, I can do that. And there's a cost associated with that. I can continue to run. I'm just going to run stronger, right? I emit more. I can. There, there is a cost associated with that, and that cost might get higher and higher as the regulatory frameworks uh, evolve. So, the, and we can basically bring those decisions now to you and saying, hey, you know, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And that's one of the strengths that digital twins bring us, and that we're bringing into this whole carbon discussion using the carbon twins is that what if modeling, right? That simulation of what will happen to my carbon footprint, my production, and my cost if I take certain actions. Well, and, and so presumably what you're describing could be done in the composite, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm trying to, because um, I, I also have to make financial decisions, yep. right? So if I say, if I say, okay, uh, okay, I'm just looking at this heater problem. Um, well, maybe financially right now, the best thing for me to do is just to run it harder. And I know that's going to, Create more emissions. However, if if I if I can if I can digital twin model a lot of operations in the aggregate, then I can say okay, but I can I can do this other thing over here, and let me model that and see that I can pull out and so I can stay balance, right. Yeah. So I can make right. those. So I can still make smart business decisions across the entire yeah. uh, across everything. And right. Michael, I want to go back to what Tor said about the uh, you know, current regulations and, and factors. Because I think what, you know, if, if we don't move away from factors into actual real measurement of, of you know, holding companies accountable, they're just going to sell off old assets to other companies. Yeah. Oh, that's that's, right. that's yeah. already happening. That's right. that's, that's well, I was strategy. trying to be very positive uh, <laughs> in how I said that. But yeah, so right now, yeah. like the quickest way to hit some of those you know, carbon goals is to take that you know, 30, 40 year old asset that is very you know, pollute, pollutes and has emissions, sell it to a smaller company. Yeah. Well, now you look we've clean. noticed quite a lot of portfolio swapping over right. the last yep. year and companies being bought. And but, yeah, so, so, the, yeah. so again, if we can move away from factors, because the reason they're doing that is it only looks at how old that, that asset is and certain yeah, parameters yeah, of it. Yeah. It's not looking at actual, you know, how, well, to, how to fix that. I'm gonna give you a slightly different spin on that. I, I agree yeah. with you, but the, the more positive but spin I agree on with this you one is, if I am an operator and I'm, I want to essentially optimize my portfolio, right? Carbon twinning um, in its various stages allows you actually, before you make a purchase decision, to take a look at some right, of these assets, right, right. to understand. Yep. It's like buying a house, right? If you buy a house, uh, and your roof is 30 years old, it's about to fall off, you're gonna factor that into your purchase price, right? Because you're gonna have to replace that roof. Okay. Similarly, we see a lot of companies are starting to think about, okay, fine, if I buy an asset, you know, what's the emissions profile look like? Are these emissions operational? 
are they incidental or are they fugitive? If they're incidental, and by the way, an, an interesting thing, when we talk about these uh, type of emission types, operational emissions are, op are emissions that happen just by switching on the equipment. Think about your car, you go into your car, turn the key, yeah. exhaust comes out of the exhaust pipe. That's an operational emission. Um, when you run certain equipment on a production side, it will generate emissions, so we have to think about how do we minimize those, mm -hmm, right. increasingly by equipment that runs cleaner, and then offsets the remaining emissions with offsets uh, like you know replanting trees or getting credits for uh, for re, um, renewable uh, fuel stocks and things like that. Um, incidental emissions is a totally different matter. Incidental emissions happen if I'm if I am a negligent operator essentially, right? Sure. Yeah, I yeah. have maybe uh, I have a compressor failing. I have a downstream buildup of pressure in order to prevent an explosion. I have to vent. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's incidental emission, right? Totally preventable because if I do my predictive uh, maintenance my predictive analysis on, on this equipment, I probably can forecast yep. that this compressor is about to go back three, four weeks out when I can do something about it before it happens, right? So the, uh, when we look at that uh, and then say, okay, fine, you know, are our emissions operational or are they incidental? If I have an asset that's operated very dirty because of incidental emissions, I can easily fix that. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. If, if I have those capabilities in my organization. If I have operational emissions that are very high or a lot of fugitives, that means I have to spend some money to actually you know replace equipment so that, yeah, that yeah. changes the valuation of the asset that's huge so I, I have to i have to pause for a second and i have to give you guys i have to compliment you guys this is so i'm going to do the avanade plug right now because um so to ha you guys have a really good uh, strong understanding of the industry and what's like kind of making the industry tick right now and i and i'll and i'll tell you that um so apart from uh, uh, so OGGN has a sister company Modal Point uh, where we do um, a lot of uh, consulting work for companies that are trying like go to market consulting for companies that are trying to sell solutions in oil and gas. And I have and earlier at the start of this year I consulted with three different large companies and that are well established and said because they were trying to figure out how to take how to how to kind of align their solutions to what's happening in the industry today. And I said, all three times I said, you need to align them with reshaping portfolios. Like that's, that's because for, for this problem that you're describing, for, at, you know, for how do we get more out of the assets we already have, yep. like forget about exploration right now, forget about like, you need to align your solutions to reshaping portfolios and optimizing portfolios. And I got like deer in the headlights from everybody. So, um, because a lot of times people have, offerings and they kind of fundamentally under, understand how that offering applies to the industry but yeah. they don't really know what's happening and this is i mean this is really key stuff so anyway yeah. well done Thank you. on that but um Thank you. but what um so so but of course the first thing that comes to my mind when you say this though is uh and especially since we're you know we talk about getting digital done how does somebody go from like i'm listening to this and i go i'm sold I want that. Like, how do I how do I get there? And the fact that your consulting company makes me worry a little bit that it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money and 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 uh, all of that. So what? Well, how how do, how do, you know time to value is critical now, right? Like, like I need value in thirty days. I need value in ninety days. How, how do I get there from yeah. where I am? Call, right call Avanade? Is that the answer? Call, just call of course, that's the answer, right? <laughs> yeah. So yes, there's a. I'll give you the four five, five, the five. four step program, right? How do you do it? So first of all. But when we talk about this with uh, with our clients, a lot of our clients um, are working on this stuff in terms of point initiatives in certain facilities, trying things out, right? That's great, and that, that'll help you get experience and appreciation of how hard this stuff really is. 
But really, uh, to look at it from, an, uh, from a comprehensive perspective, you, you need to have an end-to-end -end strategy. And your end-to-end -end strategy, you start by looking at your value chain and you start by decomposing your value chain and identifying along your value chain what your emitters are and what the emission profile of these emitters are. Is it, is it operational? Is it an, an incidental? Is it a fugitive? So that's a taxonomy exercise, right? It's very cheap to do. It doesn't, it's not very expensive. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, you know these value chains. You, you can break them right, down. That's fairly right. straightforward, right? So once you've done that and you can look at each of these emitters in your value chain and you can, you can ask a very simple question, how am I going to, number one, uh, assess uh, this emitter with respect to the, the, the emissions contribution that this emitter makes under various circumstances? And number two, what might I do to uh, reduce the emissions that are being produced by that emitter? And so then the answer to that question depends, right? Uh, in, in, in some situations, uh, things like carbon twin might help you right. uh, to, optimize, uh, to optimize operations and reduce emissions, to prevent incidentals. Um, in, in some situations, what you might want to do is bring new technologies in um, so, for example, cross combustion to do a clean burn. Yeah, now yeah. you're emitting CO2 as it puts the CH4, which maybe doesn't sound great. We're putting CO2 in the atmosphere, but again, remember ton for ton, 84 times, right? Yeah. So if I can if I can remove a ton out of, of methane out of the air and emit a ton of CO2, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's awesome. So, okay. Don't put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I uh, so I'm laughing because you know how sometimes when you listen to like like things like 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 trainings or webinars or whatever, and you like we all do this, right? We all bump the speed up to like 1.5 so that, because that, so you can that, listen to that, it. That's with, tour. With, yeah, Tour's you, already with, on 1.5. You, you gotta like, you gotta, turn, you gotta it turn it down. <laughs> you gotta like cut it to, to okay, half speed. To, it's very, very excited, right? I, mean, so, I think the, I I think the other part, so, like I mean, we see our clients that we're working with on this, it, you kind of got to go into it knowing that there, there's gonna be some R&D and some experimentation. Yeah. Uh, th this isn't, you know, an ERP system that you can go when you're evaluating, okay, which which of the three ERPs do I want to buy and implement? Well, thank God it's not an ERP system because <laughs> we spent a lot of time <laughs> yeah. and money on those. But, but, but it is, it's, it's like Tor said, mapping out, you know, the, the, the taxonomy and then starting to experiment in, in certain areas and certain of those right. assets to, to figure out how to, you know, That's measure right. and make progress. So the hard, so you're saying that the hard part isn't necessarily wiring up the carbon twin. Well, technology is always the easy part. Yeah, yeah technology yeah. is the easy. But the other thing is, and getting the data and doing all, like that—that yeah. that part is pretty. Like we know, like the we know data is a little. Hard. Well, the data is yeah, a little. Yeah, hard. Yeah, 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 but yeah. you know, again, you try not to boil the ocean, right? And that's the third point, right? Uh, so you, yeah, you do yeah, the taxonomy. Enough. You you. Um, yeah, uh, fifteen you, you, years. Remember? Yeah, you look at your. Yeah, we got plenty of time. <laughs> you, you 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 do your emitter assessment, and then you you pick the ones where uh, you know you pick the ones where you can make an impact quickly, right? So, and that for, for each operator, that might look just a little bit different, right? Uh, and um, don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to get that like totally comprehensive view that is one hundred percent correct. It's not gonna. You're not gonna get there. You don't need to get there. Yeah. Right? That is not the Fair point. Enough, right. The point is identify. How can we get the handle on the um, uh, you know on our biggest emissions the most quickly so we can do something about it, make it actionable, right? Right, right. right. And so uh, that might for, for some that might involve flying satellites and, and doing satellite uh, capture uh, to inform the modeling. For some it might be you know you already have a good digital twin strategy in place. You have all of these parameters already. Yeah, yeah. Right? Let's just lay it on top. It just depends on where you are in your maturity right now with, with some of these digital transformation strategies, right? And so it's a different story for everybody. But uh, you can make an impact uh, without breaking the bank. I will say that. Yeah, well, that's good because there's not much bank left to break. <laughs> um, in a lot of cases, right, is yeah. people need to see uh, results really quickly. So good. Um, so we are, let's see, we, we laughed about how we would never be able to cover this in a reasonable amount of time. However, I think we're at about 
we're not even at 40 minutes yet, so we could okay. we could stretch. Well, like what else? What else do we want to well, talk about here? I will tell you this: if you're interested to actually see how a carbon twin works, ah, I do have a video see, now out you're there. Getting somewhere. So I just mean, you know, just just so check out real, my LinkedIn. So it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yes, yeah. actually, I, there's a physical piece of equipment, and I actually walk oh, you through. Oh, I saw that. How we do? It how got, we do has like twin. lights on it and stuff. Well, the is lights it, are not the important thing. The lights I, are just... It uh, reminded me of, like, remember, yes. like, I don't know, did you do this when you were a kid, like, in school, when you were learning, like, in elementary school, and you were learning about how electricity works, and you make that, oh, yeah. the board with the light bulbs on either I side? I did that, I did that with my daughter. And you connect it to the yep. battery and yep. all that, yeah. It, it is very important, yes, yeah. but, yeah, so we have a, we have a, uh, we actually build a small facility uh, that's a fully functional facility uh, that we can illustrate how we go about creating a carbon twin, how it works, yeah, and yeah, how, yeah. what we can tell yeah, cool. from it. So cool. check out that video. It's a four-minute video. Yeah, we'll so. put that in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and what else? How about um, any, any stories? And um, um, Kyle, I'm making some space for you in this conversation. Oh, so it. like any good uh, client stories, you know, where people are actually, uh, and you don't have to name names, but where people are, are doing this kind of stuff, seeing value, how's, it, how's that going? Yeah, I mean, we have, we have a few. I mean, I think, again, there, the, the ROI that we think of in traditional sense is, yeah. is, is not there yet, right? There's not, there's not heavy fines coming yet. Uh, it, right. It's really reputational capital. It's also, you know, reputational I think, capital, I like that. Uh, it's also, I mean, internally, if they're employees, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. So, so right, we're because very hot, care about this as well. Yeah, we, yeah we, I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah. Maybe maybe people with more gray hair haven't cared as as much, but like Perhaps. definitely new employees yes. coming in, and it's a extremely hot job market, and so that you know your reputation in in you know right, being a polluter right. could discourage employees to come work for you. So I think we see companies now, you know, looking at that as well as part of it. Uh, so the, the ROI, I guess, when you know isn't isn't necessarily in a traditional sense of of, of tangible yet. But yeah, I mean, we we have you know, clients that we're working with right now that are using you know this this carbon twin concept to you know measure things and then using you know some field service tool to yeah, then yeah. you know create a work order and action and get it resolved and i think you know part of part of also what we're trying to do there is make sure that that field service tool feeds that information back in so if you go out and have a false positive we we don't want to keep sending that yeah, service yeah. tech out to yeah fix so that, that whole closing that. the loop thing is, yeah. is really important this you know what i love about this conversation though is that um Throughout this whole thing, we haven't had to stop and talk about what is a digital twin. So that tells me that we, like we, we've reached a certain point it, because it was, even just, it was even just the beginning of this year where we would have to spend some amount of time on this episode, like, like, like debunking what is it, the buzzword. What is it, yeah, what is a digital twin? Yeah. Is it real? You know, it means something different to everybody. So it's good to know that some of these things are, you know, kind of like cloud, right? Like right. we went through that phase for cloud, and we're, and so it means that we're making progress, and we don't have to stop and 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 clear up all the that ambiguity about and everything. For your listeners, since you are plugging this so nicely, uh, yeah. I, I will say that <laughs> I have two conferences coming up that I'm speaking at about uh, carbon twinning. Uh, one is uh, the digital. Um, Future digital oil and gas, uh, and the other one yeah, is that one's in Aberdeen, right? Or no, no, actually, it's in use. It's it's virtual, actually. Yes, it's oh, Aberdeen, yeah, but it's virtual. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, the other one is um, in this. Uh, it's in December. I forget what it's called, though. Yeah. What about, what about COP? So we have COP coming up. Yes. So there's the UN conference uh, right, on, right, on global right, warming right, happening right. in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So uh, Tor actually has a booth, booth yeah, I'll, there. I'll be there. Uh, I'll cool. be there showing off uh, digital twin, uh, yeah, carbon yeah. twin capabilities, um, 
to uh, uh, to the participants and the clients. We're going to be on stage. Uh, so do you? Panel. But the, what I all I, what I want to know is, do you wear the hard hat when you do all these things? Because <laughs> the, the very now we we've had field service uh, webinars and demos that we well, we've actually had somebody yeah, wear a well, hard the, hat. The very first photo I ever saw of him, you had you had a, a oh hard, the, the wearable with the wearable. That was at the conference. Yeah. 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 I was actually yeah. on stage doing some stuff. That was very yeah. cool. That was very cool. So all right, cool. Um, well, this is probably uh, I would usually ask uh, well, like how do people learn more about this stuff? But you already you already filled that there in. There you go. That, any that any uh, Kyle, are you, you are you are you uh, being a celebrity in any in any? I events I, here I am up? not. I, I kind of ride tourist coattails a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, somebody has to get the work done. Somebody has to get the work right. done. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Fill those leads when they come in. But uh, no, no, I really uh, appreciate that. This was fun. Uh, yeah, so. it was good. So let's. Um, um, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap up for today, but it would be great um, to have like maybe maybe in a couple of months or something we'll we could do like a follow up episode. Absolutely. Or maybe we'll do a show on the uh, do an episode on the tech show where we dive into a little bit more how this twin works and things like that. I think sure, some people would probably be interested in that. But that is going to wrap us up for today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you uh, coming over here in the rain and all of that. And Always glad to come out in the yeah. sunshine. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks. <laughs>